This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Would you stand with me? I just want to lead us in prayer. Father, thank you that we can gather in this place and that you can speak to us and you have a message for us. Thank you for this great time we've had to worship you to sing about how great you are and your wonderful partnership with us in this life. Thank you for this time that we've had uh, to take communion and to remember that if it were not for Jesus, that none of this would be possible. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for giving your life. Now would you speak to us through your word. And Father, I pray for every person in this room right now that Kevin just talked about that that hasn't made that decision to follow you, and is just unsure about that. Would you make it really clear and plain this morning so that every single one of us, when we leave this room, would be a follower of Christ, and we would know why, and we would be confident in that, and we would be able to step into the life you've always had for us and live it out. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a seat. My name is Ron. For those of you who are brand new, Um, I want to introduce you uh, to a couple of tools here in a minute, but first of all, I want to say welcome to a great church, welcome to a church that that just walks in this wonderful personal uh, partnership with God. And we are on a journey, all of us individually are on a journey where we're learning how to take God by the hand and to step into the life He has for us and how to live the life that we were always intended to live. And it's changing us almost every week. In fact, yesterday, I, I, I was on a driving range hitting a bucket of balls. I know that's strange, but that's what I was doing anyway. Hitting a bucket of balls. And there was a guy right next to me. And I just started chatting with him. And he said, hey, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he said, what church? And so I told him the church. And he said, tell me about your church. He said, I haven't gone to church my whole life. Uh, but he said, frankly, my wife and I are interested. And uh, so, you know, here's what I said to him. I pastor a church that no one goes to because they have to. The only people that go to this church are people who really want to. And the great thing is it's changing our life. That's why we want to go. Because it's there that we connect with God and we learn this wonderful life that he has for us. And he looked at me and he went, wow, that sounds good. So for those of you who are brand new, welcome to that journey. That really is who we are and that's what God's doing in our lives. And uh, let me give you a couple tools that will be really important as you come along with us in that journey. And the first is this long skinny card that you found in your program. It's called a connect card. You'll see it on on this side that, that has the color on it. On the front side, the Start Here side, there's a place down there for you to put your name and your email address. We all do that every week, but here's why this is really important. It gives you the opportunity to connect with our staff. Gives you the opportunity to ask us to pray about something in your life. Gives you the opportunity to to request information about what God might be doing in the church, about ministries the church has. Gives you the opportunity in the middle to even respond to to the teaching that we have this morning. That's why it's called a Connect Card. So for right now, put your name and email address on the front of it, 
and just hang on to it. Uh, at the end of the service, we'll be collecting those. And then secondly, you want to pull out this half sheet of notes that has fill in the blanks on it. It's called New Life Notes because it's our intent and desire that you would learn something about life today. And so we give you those fill-in-the-blank notes for a couple of reasons. First of all, to enhance your learning process, because what you write down, you remember longer than what you just hear. So if you write it down, it's better for you, and then you can take it with you, and later on in the week, or even weeks later, you may come across it, read back through it, and it will bring to your mind something that would be very good for you. So there you go. Those are two very important tools for you as we take this journey. Now today, we wrap up a teaching called This Is Our Time. This is the only time in, in, in the history of the world that you will live. It's the only time that I will live. We have this one and only life we will ever get on this earth. And God wants to do something eternal through our temporary life. We have the opportunity to step into that, whatever it is, and live it out and to become that person that God always intended for us to be. It's the best and brightest thing we can do with our life. That's why this is our time in history. And we've looked at a number of things about Jesus' dream for his church that we get the opportunity to embrace and live out. And today we're going to wrap up with with the third concept of Jesus' dream for his church, that his church would be so empowered by his presence that it would prevail to the point that, that nothing that comes against the church and nothing even that tempts the church will distract us from the life God has for us, nor would, would bring to a halt what God wants to do in our lives. And today we're going to look at another dream that Jesus has for his church, this prevailing church. It's found here in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's take a look at it. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. And then he lists off a number of leadership uh, positions in the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And I put the word leaders in there just so you would know. So Jesus gave leadership to the church for what purpose? Now, their responsibility is to equip or train or develop or mentor God's people to do His work and build up the church, which is the body of Christ. Now, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. In other words, there's a whole growth and development process that's to be going on in our individual lives and in the church as a whole. Now he says, the result of this is that we will be growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And then he sort of wraps this whole thing up with these last two sentences. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. It's sort of the opposite of what Kevin just described when he talked about that new boot he got. It did not work together perfectly, right? But when the church is doing what Jesus called it to do, it works together perfectly as each part does its own special work. I want you to underline that if you would, please. As each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that... And here's what you can underline again. The whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 
Wow, those are three wonderful descriptors of the church when the church is functioning the way that Jesus dreamed. It would be healthy. It would be, you know what that means? That when you come into the church, there's something that resonates with your spirit that says, wow, this feels right. It feels healthy. It feels good. So it would be healthy. It would be growing. That means that the people in the church would be growing and maturing individually. It means the church as a whole is growing and maturing. And it also means that even numerically, the church is growing and expanding the kingdom of God. So it would be healthy and growing. And last of all, it would be full of love. Not just have some love. Not just have some selective love. But it would be full of love. Wow. Today we're going to talk about a church that prevails by building synergistic partnerships. And we're going to talk about two partnerships that are, that are the basis for what goes on in a healthy church. And I'm going to give you the whole, the whole sermon in four words. I think you can remember these. I'm going to have you say them after I give them to you because I want them to sort of resonate in your mind throughout the rest of the week. It's each one as one. Can we say that together? Each one as one. There's a whole dynamic to the church that's about each one of us individually. And then there's a whole dynamic in the church about all of us working together as one. You saw it in the scripture that we just read. It said, as each part does its own special work. That's the each one. Then the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the as one part. So now let, let's explore the each one thing. In Petaluma, every fall we get a front row seat to something that I consider pretty spectacular. Our little town gets invaded by thousands of birds on their way south. You know what I'm talking about? And, and just one day, they show up by the thousands, and I don't know what it is that calls them. I know they're migrating south, but they show up, and then they will all decide to land in the same tree. Have you seen that? And that tree just buzzes with activity. Monica and I call that a bird tree. Because it's just filled with birds. You know, God picks up on that. And He says, I want you to pause right there. Because I want to say to you something. Because it will tell you how I look at the world. Back in Psalm chapter 50. Here's what God said. I know... Every bird on the mountains. I know every bird on the mountains. Perhaps that's what Jesus had in mind when he was teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And he said, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asked the question, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? I want you to hear this clearly. When God looks at the world, God never sees the world as a teeming mass of seven 
billion people. He doesn't. When God looks at a bird tree that has hundreds of birds in it, when I look at a bird tree, I see a bunch of birds, right? And I hear a bunch of birds chirping, and that's it. When God looks at that tree, do you realize that God knows every one of those birds? He knows what they like individually. He knows what they don't like individually. He knows every close call that each one of those little birds has ever had in its life. He knows who the mother bird was. He knows who the father bird was. He knows where that little bird's going. He knows every bird. Now, if we take that and we extrapolate out of that what the psalmist is teaching us and what Jesus is teaching us and what we learned out of Ephesians chapter 4, it kind of comes down to three principles. And boy, these are so good because they form the whole foundation that you and I can, can step into this wonderful God-oriented life with tremendous confidence because we know these three things. And here's the first one, and that is you matter. And I want to say that, I want to say that in a more full form. Not only do you matter, you have your place in God's heart. I want you to think about this for a minute. God knows the color of your eyes. Now, think about this. Not because it's locked away in the data bank of his mind and it was registered when you were born, when I was born on August 15th, 1951, that there was an entry made in God's data bank that said hazel eyes. You know how God knows the color of my eyes? He looks into them every day. He knows me. He knows everything about me. He knows what I love. He knows who my mom is. He knows who my dad is. He walked with me through my childhood. He saw me when the kids at school laughed at me and spit on me and hit me and called me, called me names. He ministered healing in my life to overcome that later. He knows me. Friend, God looks in your eyes Every single day. And even if it were possible for him to forget the color of your eyes, he would just look in them again. You have your place in God's heart. God wants you to know that. When you come to church, this is a family gathering of God's kids. Because God's here. It's His place. The second thing it means is not only do you matter, you have your place in God's heart, but even your place matters. Okay? You belong in God's kingdom. You remember the story of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table? And every single knight had his place around that table. And if the knight wasn't there, did someone else sit in their place or was it empty? It was empty. 
Do you know you have your place at God's table and He doesn't let anyone sit in your place? It's just yours. There's a place in His kingdom for you. It's reserved specifically for you. And God doesn't let anybody sit in it but you. You know what that means? If you don't show up, that chair is always empty. Because that's your place in God's kingdom. That's why a while ago I prayed that every single person that's in this room this morning would come to understand that and could step with confidence into this wonderful life that God has for you because that place is still there for you. And God's praying, and so am I, that this morning would be the day that you took your place at His table. And you said, I'm in. The third thing it means is this. Your purpose matters. You have a purpose in God's great plan. And just like no one else can sit in your seat at His table, no one can step into your purpose in His plan. Because it's a purpose tailored specifically around the gifts and talents and passions and drives and desires and abilities and experiences that you've had. And no one else in the whole world has had that combination because that combination was specifically designed for this purpose. And that one and only life that you've been given to live on this earth has an eternal purpose attached to it. And if you don't step into that, two tragic things take place. Number one, you miss the life that was supposed to be yours. You live in something else, but you miss the life that was supposed to be yours. And number two, whatever it was that God wanted to accomplish through you is not going to get done. Because that's your purpose. And one of the great things about getting in with God is you find out what that purpose is and you begin to live it out. And when you begin to live it out, believe me, it's a great life. You feel healthy, you feel growing, and you feel full of love because it's the best and brightest thing you could ever do with your life. Now, at New Life, one of the ways that we explore this individual relationship with God, this personal relationship with God, is through our life groups. And we are getting ready this week to begin a whole season of life groups. And I have a little trailer because I, I want to tell you this. I've never seen a small group curriculum put together like the one we're about ready to head into. This is going to be an absolutely over-the-top experience. And we have a little 30-second trailer I want you to watch but before you watch it, I want to tell you this. We have 319 adults already signed up for life groups. Is that awesome or what? That is terrific. That means, that means 319 of us are going to get challenged and we're going to challenge each other. But I know that there, there's, there's probably 40 more people who actually should be in, in life groups. So watch this 30 second trailer. You're the same guy that sits down in the pew for me on Sundays. So let me just come right out and ask you a question. Are you a follower of Jesus, or are you really just a fan? What if I died? You didn't. What if God's trying to tell me something? We have this huge house and all this stuff. Obviously, we need more than 
this. We sell all of our stuff, we quit our good jobs. I mean, it stinks, but we suck it up and we do it anyway, right? I mean, this is what we're supposed to do, isn't it? I don't know what else I can do. To do nothing is not an option. Does that look like that's going to be fun? Yes, that's going to be fun. We're going to have a great time. So here's what's going to happen. Joe's going to cue up some over-the-top music, okay? On your chairs you or somewhere in your vicinity, there should be a not-a-fan catalog. Did you find one? Wave it in the air if you found one. Good, you got them. All right. If you haven't signed up for Life Group, look, on the back of your, of your Start Here card... In red, there's a place that says sign up for this life group, and there's a, there's a place for you to put a number. You find the code next to the life group. Now, I'm not going to give you five minutes to pray about which life group you should belong to, because they're all the same. You just got to find a time that works for you, all right? So, I, I think you know your schedule well enough to do that. Joe, cue up the music, and if you haven't signed up, this is the time to do it. Put in the code, we'll get you signed up. All right. It's going to be a great time. Some of the, by the way, some of those, I think our first group might even be meeting even as we are in here this morning. So they're getting a jump on the gun. It's going to be a great time. I am super excited about that. And I, I, I can tell you this. When we are done with this, there's only going to be two groups of people in our church. Those who are closer connected with God and those who wish they'd been part of the life groups. That's just how that's going to work. So I want you to get in, so jump in. Now listen, let's talk about, we've been talking about each one and the importance of each one of us individually where we are all equally welcome and invited. We all have our own place, our, our own purpose in, in God's heart and all that stuff. Now let's talk about the as one part because it's just as important. And that is this unity that God calls us to in the church. Let's go back to our birds that are going to invade our town over the next few weeks. They not only come and land in the trees, but every once in a while, they take off and fly. You've seen them, right? Thousands of them will fly, and and they, they rise, and they swoop, and they dive, and they do it all in perfect unison. It's like there's a master controller up there with the joystick, right? controlling all of their wings. Have you ever looked at that and just gone, how do they do that? It's amazing. You know something? That's a picture of Jesus' dream for His church. That His church would be so bound together in unity that we would move together. And that that when the master controller says, swoop, man, we all bank and swoop. When the master controller says dive, we all dive. When the master controller says rise, we all rise. And the amazing thing about those birds is they're only a foot or so apart, maybe not even that far apart. Have you ever seen them run into each other in that formation? Never. It's truly an amazing thing. And that was Jesus' dream for His church. He put the Word picture right out there in nature so we could see how it works. So let's talk about that. There are three great principles that have to do with unity. And the first one is this. And that is our unity has to be more important than our personal preferences 
And I'm going to draw you a couple of, of diagrams up here to illustrate this. The square box is the relationship. The round circles in it are the people. So you got two people in this relationship, and these little wedges in here are our preferences and personal opinions. Now, the interesting thing about preferences and personal opinions is they always vary from person to person, right? They always do. And the other interesting thing about preferences and personal opinions is that they're always a part of any real relationship. I can shake your hand and you could be an acquaintance, but if we're going to be friends, you're going to know what I like. You're going to know, you're going to know what I don't like. You're going to know what I prefer to do. You're going to know what I don't prefer to do because that's how relationships work. Now, in this picture of a relationship, this is not a picture of unity Because one of the things that unity always demands is we never let personal preferences and opinions come between us. Because when they come between us, they become wedges that drive us apart. And if we allow it, they will drive us right out of the relationship. We've all had that experience in life, right? Where a personal opinion or a preference came between us and somebody else or somebody had a personal preference or opinion and they made it more important than us and they literally forced us out of the relationship in their life. But unity actually does it the opposite. And this is what I, what I want you to see. So this time, we still have the same two people and they still have their opinions, but their opinions and their preferences are not allowed to come between the two of them. And actually, these wedges will drive them closer and closer together. This works not only with with personal opinions, it also works with trials. If you're in a marriage and you let a trial come between you and your wife or your husband, it will be a wedge that drives you apart. But on the other hand, if you decide we will never let that come between us, then the trial will actually pull you together. It will wedge you together. That's how relationships are supposed to work. Now take a look at this passage. How pervasive is this to be in the church? Paul writes this, It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it causes someone else to stumble. By the way, when you get down to what we eat or drink, does that get personal? That's about as personal and basic as it can get. And Paul said, I want you to know... That when it comes to unity, you let nothing stand in that way. I've known churches that actually were stymied in their mission because the church was divided over the color of carpet in the church building. Is that wacky or what? That's just wrong. You know something? Three or four weeks ago, We laid out before our church a transition. And the transition is the single biggest transition any church can go through. For those of you who are just new and catching on to this, 
On February the 16th, Kevin is going to become the senior pastor of our church, and I'm going to transition into a position of teaching and mentoring pastor. Anytime a church changes its, its lead pastor, anytime a church does that, it's the single biggest transition that can take place in the church. You know what? Kevin's counting on, and I'm counting on, that we will be this kind of church, not that kind of church. Are you on board with that? Yeah, we're going to be this kind of church. Because we recognize God's purpose and His plan in it. And you may have preferences and opinions. And you may think, ah, oh, like Kevin, it's, been, it's about time. I'm so happy we're doing this. Okay, I'm okay with that. I've had people say to me over the last few years, Ron, I love you, but Kevin's my pastor. And I go, that's awesome. I wouldn't change that for anything. And even after we've made this transition, we've had people say, you know, we love Kevin, but Ron, you'll always be our pastor. You know what? Kevin's fine with that. Because that's how the church is. We never allow our personal opinions or preferences to come between us. Now I want to show you why this is important. I'm going to give you two more teachings and then we'll get into the application. Here's why it's important. And here's how it makes the church synergistic. The second thing is because our unity multiplies our potential. I want you to look at what God said back in Genesis chapter 11 about a group of people. And by the way, they were headed down the wrong path in life, but at least they were unified. Here's what God said about them. The people are united and they all speak the same language. Nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. It's just amazing when the church is unified what God can do through the church. Anything. Whatever He wants. And it's amazing when the church isn't unified how little He can do. Because unity multiplies our potential. And then last of all, unity validates our message I don't even know how this works for sure, but I fully believe what Jesus said because he said this, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. There's an amazing thing that happens out in the world where people are unsaved and separated from Christ, but they're still watching the church and they still interact with Christians and they still rub shoulders with people who go to church. And when they sense in those people love and unity and a genuineness and an authenticity and a lack of a power struggle, and they realize that the church is not a dog-eat-dog place, but it's just this wonderful place of love and unity, there's something about that that even people who are separated from Christ, find completely refreshing and attractive. And it says to them that what those people have is authentic. It validates a message. And so this morning, let's say it again. What are the four words? Each one as one. Let's say it out loud. Ready? Each one as one. That's how we live. That's how we roll. Now, here's how we can apply it. Number one is by those of us who are not Christians yet, it's time for us to get on board, to recognize I have my place in God's kingdom, that I matter to Him, and I, I have a purpose in His plan, and it's time for me to step into that and get off the sidelines and have more of a mindset that is, put me in, coach, I'm ready to get in the game. Okay. So if you're going to make that decision, uh, boy, today is the day to make it. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a minute. Secondly, uh, if I want to walk with this, I can find my place in ministry. 
Because again, you might have made the decision to become a Christian, but you know, if you're still just sitting on the chairs, you're on the sideline. If you don't have a ministry that you're working in right now, it's time for you to get in the game. And, and in our church, we have a thing called Test Drive, which allows you to try any ministry in our church for one day to see if you like it. No strings attached. It's a great way to test drive any ministry. If you check that, okay, then we'll get in touch with you and say, hey, what do you think you might like to do? Where do you think you might like to volunteer? We'll get you set up for a test drive in that ministry, and we'll just do that again and again and again until you find the ministry. You go, this is it. This is what I know God wants me to do right now. And then last of all, give up a personal preference for unity or love. Most of us have a relationship in our life that looks more like this than like this. This could be your marriage right now. It could be with a close personal friend. It could be with a son or daughter. It could we be with a mother or father? It could be with a brother or sister. It could be with someone in your ministry. It could be anybody. And it would be time for you to say, I might not be able to control this wedge, but I can control this one because this one belongs to me. I can take this wedge and move it over here. You know what that means? You've got to release all expectations regarding that. It means you literally give up that preference out of love for that person. Okay? I want to pray. Father, I'll pray for my brothers and sisters who are not Christians yet. God, would you give them grace right now to say, I'm in. I'm ready to step into that. And friend, if you're ready to make that decision, I want to give you a short prayer, and I want to ask you to pray it right where you are in your heart and your spirit to God. And I want you to check it on the back of the Connect card. Here's the prayer. Father, I know that you know me. I know I have a place, my place in your heart. I know I have my place in your kingdom and at your table. And I know I have my purpose in your great plan. Today I accept all three. I ask that you forgive me of my sins through your son Jesus who makes this possible. I take my place in your kingdom today by becoming a follower of Jesus. And I pray it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray for the rest of us. Father, would you give us grace to know every preference we should set aside in order to bring deeper and a greater sense of unity in those troubled relationships in our lives so that we could have more and more unity as we walk together in this life, in our families, in our friendships, and most of all, in our church. And then, Father, would you give us grace to get up off the bench and get into ministry and to be working in your kingdom so that we can live out that great eternal purpose you have for us. Would you call each one of us to that? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.